This is BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom, and I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Before we get our conversation going, we want to talk to you about uh, some of our events. We stage a dozen of these events annually. We want to tell you about a couple of them coming up. On May 29th, we're going to talk about ride-hailing with one of the impending entrants into the market, Lyft, and with the advocates of ride-hailing themselves and with the BC Tech Association. And then on June 6th, our annual CFO of the Year Awards are taking place. For both uh, events details, uh, visit us over at uh, BIV.com slash events. Gas prices are at an all-time high in our province, likely rising even further in 2019 and beyond. And for many British Columbians, this appears to have become the time to really take a close look, to kick the tires and then some on an electric vehicle. The number of sales is very impressive in the last few weeks alone, due in part to new incentives federally and provincially that can take as much as $10,000 off the price of a new EV. Blair Qualley is the president of the New Car Dealers Association. He joins me now for a discussion. Good to have you with us, Blair. Great to be here, Kurt. Uh, let's, uh, which, which cliche shall we use on this one? Is this a tipping point or a perfect storm? What, which one do you want to use? Well, whatever it is, I'm all charged up about it. Oh, my goodness. You're using puns. Excellent. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it, do you think that this is the moment when all of this begins to arrive? Well, it's, I think it's a little too early to tell that for sure. I think, you know, there's been incredibly strong interest. And, you know, since the you know first of May, we've gone through, you know, as of today, about $9 million worth of incentive money. Wow, um, that's a lot mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a very short period of time. Now, we went through. You know, the federal government announced in their budget, and I think it was April nineteenth, that they were going to do a program of incentives up to five thousand dollars. And instantly after that, everybody stopped buying EVs because they didn't know when that program would kick in, what would qualify, etc. So, once the news was out that it was May first, and what the list of vehicles, etc. You know, the calls started coming to dealers to put deposits down on things that they could pick up May 1st to, you know, take the incentive. So we went through no activity, this huge pent-up demand building and building. And then when May 1st hit, uh, I likened it to, you know, sort of the Army and Navy shoe sale. You know, the doors <laughs> open and everybody charges charges through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I think we're still seeing some of that pent-up demand and, and interest that's come now that, as you pointed out in your intro, uh, you know, up to $10,000 of incentive money, which is pretty significant. So I think still it's a little early to tell that, it, you know, that this is an actual tipping point. But I'd say it's a very good indication that people are actually thinking about electric vehicles uh, and taking advantage of the new technology. Are, are the dealers noticing a, um, a bit of a shift in the way the consumer is treating the EV now? Is it, is it no longer this exotic and frankly, at times a bit of an expensive purchase, but something that they're trying to see if their own driving patterns fit? Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, over time, I mean, we've been managing the, managing the clean energy vehicle program now for eight years. So mm-hmm. this is something that we've been working on for a while. Um, and the education, I think, for, of consumers has improved. There's still lots of myths out there. Yeah. We all overestimate how far we commute and how far we drive. We all think we drive farther than we do. Um, so a lot of folks, I think, to, you know, are still concerned that they're going to get stopped at the side of the road with a dead battery. But when yeah. you look at what's available now in the average uh, sort of EV, you know, not just the high-end 
priced ones, but, you know, uh, sort of mid-range things that most people would look at. Uh, you know, you can get up to 400 kilometers of range, which for the average person will take the many, many days of going to work and back and picking up the kids and going to ballet or you know, hockey or whatever, going for grocery shopping, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the range anxiety piece, I think, is softened a bit. It's still something that's on people's minds. And, uh, you know, as we keep telling government, you know, there's sort of three legs to this stool. You've got to keep the incentives up. You've got to have charging infrastructure in places where people live, work, and play. And you've got to continue the work on and, and the money towards education of consumers. You get yeah. those three, three things right, and you're going to see what we're seeing now. I have to say, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I, I've gotten myself into an EV in the last couple of months. Um, it, and to your point about range anxiety, uh, I now have a pretty good sense of just how far I'm driving. And I, and right. bizarrely, when I was paying at the pump all the time for it, I, um, I wasn't all that clear about uh, what I have. I mean, I, I'd look at the range that was left in my car, but I wasn't thinking about how much I was actually chewing through day by day. Um, an EV kind of focuses your mind a little bit at least on, on, you know, is it a 15 kilometer run or is it a 25 kilometer run? And those things can be material as you get into the week. I hear it from all the time from people who've bought EVs that, you know, they drive differently. The experience is different. And they plan differently for their trips and, mm -hmm. and what they're doing and even how they drive. They pay more attention to how, you know, much they're tromping on the accelerator and, and how their braking works and all of those things. So, yeah, it's a new experience for people, but I think, you know, now that many folks have a, perhaps a neighbor down the street who has one that they've talked to or maybe had a ride in or there's somebody at work that, you know, they, they know that's got one of these things, people are now getting a chance to hear from other sort of influencers in their lives about what the experience really is like and uh, how fun it can be and how quiet they are and how yeah. peppy and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think that's really making a difference. Yeah. Uh, and you're quite right to characterize uh, the, um, uh, the phenomenon here as orders placed. Uh, are we experiencing inventory shortages, though, across some lines of automobiles? Well, I think we're, gonna, we're starting to see a bit of that now, uh, given this sort of big bubble that's just gone through. Uh, you know, dealers uh, order what they can. Uh, you know, they all <laughs> never met a dealer that doesn't want to sell a car. So lots <laughs> of people are looking to buy. Uh, but, you know, manufacturers are continuing to do, you know, what they can to accelerate the production of these vehicles. But for some, it will mean, you know, you may have to wait a little bit. Um, uh, I've, I've heard, you know, in some cases, uh, talk of, you know, a few months to <clears throat> longer than that. And I guess yeah. it depends on what the brand is and what their plans are, where they're manufactured, how long it takes to get here and so on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of dealers Right now, placing orders, we're getting ready to place orders for the fall. Um, trying to decide, you know, how do I go into this? Uh, you know, how long are these incentives going to be here? What's that impact going to be if the incentives go away? Uh, will people still buy them? Well, but that uh, speaks to the larger issue, which is, you know, here, here are governments attempting as much as possible to move as many of us into um, a more of a clean energy world uh, in order to do that, obviously the, the, you know, incentives are going to be useful in all of this. Um, is it your expectation that you can get this kind of sustained 
uh, incentive for, say, another three, four, five years in order to make sure that you, in fact, get a significant transformation in this? Well, I would hope, you know, if, if government and, you know, broadly society wants to, you know, move in this direction, that uh, we put our money where our mouths are and, and continue the incentives as long as possible. Now, we don't expect that that's going to be an ever never-ending uh, story, but I think it's really important now, whilst there's still a you know, a fairly significant difference between an electric vehicle price and the price of an equivalent gas-powered vehicle, that folks are going to need, you know, to have that gap bridged. Uh, And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a process and take some time. And I I don't think we're anywhere near whether it's where it's going to, you know, you no longer need to prime the pump. I think it's going to continue to be a process and, and for sure the next year or two uh, beyond that, uh, my crystal ball is not that clear. There are so many new models that will emerge here in 2020, 2021, and onward. Um, do you do you also sense that some people are getting into electric vehicles now as almost a bridge car uh, to what will eventually be their 350,000 k car? You know, their kilometer car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I uh, you know a lot of folks are. And I hear from them all the time. Uh, Wondering what sort of what what to do now. <laughs> yeah. wait another year or two and see what additional options are coming. And as you point out rightly, you know there's a tremendous number of models coming from a you know pretty much every manufacturer almost um, over the next uh, one two three years. It's going to be spectacular what folks are going to get to see and drive. And uh, so a lot of folks are wondering, you know, do I do I wait a little bit and then uh, or do I jump in now and get something for a few years and then move into something that, uh, you know, the electric pickup truck that I want, or <laughs> yeah. big electric SUV that I need for my family. Uh, you know, I think battery technologies are improving, but uh, we'll have to wait and see over the next few years what it does for larger vehicles. And yet at the other extreme, if you want to call it that, Blair, I mean, the F-150 is still a monstrously selling vehicle at the moment. What, what, number, how, how, how do we understand that? vehicle in the country. Yeah. How, how do we understand that? Well, people need them and want them for their lives. Uh, you know, a large part of the provinces, uh, you know, requires uh, different vehicles, and perhaps we drive in the Lower Mainland or on Southern Vancouver Island. And uh, you know, a lot of people need trucks for their jobs, their families, work. Um, you know, up north and in the interior, uh, it's just a way of life to uh, have a pickup truck. So you know, everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen with battery technology, and we're hearing from a number of key manufacturers like Ford and others of investments in electric vehicle production for on the truck side. And mm-hmm. I think we'll wait and see what the next couple of years bring because uh, people still need those kinds of vehicles for uh, the lives they lead. Is there is there a, a sense again from consumers that they're skeptical about the idea of, of there being sufficient horsepower inside an electric vehicle? Well, I, most people that have driven one, uh, and that seems to be the key in a whole lot of this is getting you know, sort of the bums and seats, as it were, putting people in EVs, because once somebody drives one, I think their whole world changes in terms of the view and what it's like. Yeah. They have a lot of torque and a lot of power, even the smaller ones. So uh, I don't think that'll be a, an issue. Uh, you know, we also have fuel cell vehicles, which are an option uh, for larger vehicles. And, and in particular, they're very good, apparently, in, in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think we'll see as time goes on more of those coming along and being an option for a lot of British Columbians. 
one other uh, attribute, of course, of the electric vehicle is is the the difference in the maintenance that you're going to experience over the course of uh, of, of the lifetime of your vehicle. Um, ha- have the new car dealers begun to come to grips with what that might mean in terms of their own um, their own shops in, ter- in terms of their own maintenance? Well, our you know our members are pretty entrepreneurial, creative, resilient folks. Uh, many of them, you know, sort of adjusted their businesses and survived through the darkest time in 2008 and nine when the wheels fall off and fell off the global economy. So yeah. they've been looking at, you know, what's happening in our sector for many, many years. It's not just electric vehicles. It's, you know, consumer demand, consumer expectation, uh, what's happening in demographics, both uh, for of customers, but also of employees challenges around finding people who can fix uh, these new vehicles with technology and big batteries and those kinds of things. So dealers are having a close look at their businesses uh, for a variety of reasons, including sort of the move towards electric vehicles and, and preparing themselves now for what will be a different you know, set of conditions for them in you know, five years, 10 years from now. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're working with them. Uh, our national association has done a big study of sort of some of these issues, which uh, was just released out to our members a little while ago. So they'll be chewing through some of the you know, sort of thought starters there and, and having a look at not just being a, a car dealer, but perhaps a transportation partner, looking at everything from uh, ride sharing services to other things that they're positioned to do. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it, it will also, I would imagine, uh, change entirely the, the life of a mechanic. Well, I mean, you know, you still have repairs that will need to be done and, and updates, et cetera, to, uh, to vehicles, uh, even if they're electric. Um, but, you know, the, the technology is so sophisticated. And you don't want to be messing around with the battery packs if you don't know what you're doing on those vehicles. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd be glowing in the dark pretty quick. Um, <laughs> so, you have to, seriously, they're you know, very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So. You, uh, you know, we're seeing institutions, educational institutions around the province that do trades training and automotive, you know, upgrading their uh, facilities and their skill sets of their, uh, you know, instructors around how this works and what to do, making sure that uh, everybody's ready for what's coming. Yeah. Last area, and I think you mentioned a bit of it earlier, is is the infrastructure that's out there as well in terms of charging, mm-hmm. charging stations. Uh, it, it seems like we can't get enough of these stations up quickly enough. Uh, and again, there, there are some uh, government incentives that are there in order to try to get these going. It, it, are we going to experience, you think, again, a bit of a transition period where quite a lot of these stations will have to be free or near free in order to get the confidence level of, of of owners up to that point where they um, they feel like they're not <laughs> they're not uh, you know flying without a net here. Well, we hear it all the time from uh, customers that you know they're they're worried about where they're going to charge their electric vehicle once they buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I charge it at home? Can I charge it at the office? If I live in a Strata, you know, my Strata building is older. You know, there aren't any charging stations, and no one in the building wants to pay you know, uh, pay for uh, charging infrastructure expense and, and all of those things. So it's going to be a process in the transi- transitional period. I think, you know, uh, various studies say that a lot of people will charge at home, but there's a whole group of folks that don't park in the same place every night. No. Uh, particularly in, in, in Metro Vancouver and other communities in the lower mainland. 
So charging infrastructure in places where they would be parking. So, you know, when you talk to the good folks at the city of Vancouver, for example, who are examining these things, it's, you know, do we put them uh, charging stations attached to light standards uh, mm-hmm. in, in residential areas so people can plug in there? Uh, how you pay for all of this is a big question. Yep. Uh, governments need to take the lead to make sure that they're in places where, you know, on main highways, uh, in, you know, shopping malls and community centers, places where people shop and go to, you know, to take the kids and those kinds of things. But also workplaces need to uh, to step up and, and make sure that for those people uh, driving electric vehicles that they can charge there because they may not be able to charge it. So it's going to take a concerted effort. And I trust at some point we'll hear sort of the big plan that BC Hydro should have uh, to be sort of overseeing all of this. And, and when private individuals or businesses can actually charge for the electricity and these things, I think you'll see a lot more infrastructure in place that government won't have to pay for yep. as long as the uh, public or private enterprises can recover the cost of the electricity and the cost of the infrastructure then uh, they'll it'll be a good business for them yeah yeah do you have a projection at all Blair about what percentage of uh, vehicles are going to be EVs next year well last year we were uh, vehicles sold 4.8 percent uh, mm-hmm. were EVs last uh, last fall. I suspect that'll be, we're probably hitting 5% or more now. Yeah. If you take, in, you know, sort of the big vehicles, trucks and SUVs out of the, the comparison, because we really don't have those on the EV side, we're at 15.4% if you compare EVs to car sales. Wow. So uh, we, we lead the country and I think we're second or third uh, in North America after California. And I think we go back and forth a bit with Washington State. Uh, they're ahead of us and then behind us. Like yeah. 0.2% here and there. Hmm. Doing extremely well. Uh, uh, I think that's just going to continue, and we'll uh, we'll see if we get to the the 10% uh, 10% mark soon. Yeah, Blair, it's been a good conversation, and it's a very exciting time for this. Thanks a lot for your time today. My pleasure. Anytime. Blair Qualley is the president of the New Car Dealers Association. You've been listening to BIV today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 